Hey, how's it going, everyone? You're locked into Moving Up the Ladder on localjobnetwork.com radio. As always on Moving Up the Ladder, we're here to add knowledge and insight into the improvement of really the careers of individuals as well as the overall success of businesses. I'm your host, Tim Muma. No one can argue that the workforce and the wants and needs of employees have evolved quite a bit in the last decade or so. Add in technology and the ability to create flexibility, and suddenly the traditional model of a work environment appears to be on unfamiliar ground. That's where our guest Jody Thompson comes into play, speaking with us from Illinois. Jody is the co-founder of Culture RX and co-creator of ROW, that's R-O-W-E, which stands for Results Only Work Environment. She's also the co-author of a recently published book, Why Managing Sucks and How to Fix It. Jody, thanks a lot for coming on today. Hi, Tim. It's great to be here. I'm excited to talk about results-only work environment. All right, great. Well, I, I know you have a passion for it. I know you have the inside knowledge on, on all of its uh, working parts. So I mean, let's just jump right into it, really. If you can, sort of give us the breakdown, the general principles that we're looking at when we're talking about, again, ROWE, R-O-W-E, uh, in terms of the results-only work environment. Yep. So a results-only work environment, Tim, is really an environment where people have complete autonomy and control over their time. So they're literally free to do whatever they want, whenever they want, as long as the work gets done. It's an equal measure of autonomy and accountability. It's, it's very adult. <laughs> it does sound adult. Now, with that, you know, you bring that side of it up. I mean, is it is there a difficult part to that for employers? Because you sort of have to set up a lot of guidelines with that. Or, I mean, how does that work just in general? Great question. There's no guidelines except results. And the interesting thing about that, Tim, is that managers can get pretty uncomfortable in this situation because they feel like if they see people at work, they're working. And if they don't see them, well, what are they doing, sure, right? Sure. So in a results-only work environment, you have to get crystal clear about measurable results with each and every employee. You have to have that uh, conversation so that you know what people are delivering in terms of results. And that's not easy. Now, would you say, though, that there are certain industries or professions where this definitely works better and where some it might not actually apply very well? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. (laughs) (laughs) And here's why. When you really think about it, it's a results-only work environment. So who wouldn't fit into that? True. In other words, if you're working, you should be being paid for getting results or achieving results, not just putting in time. So when you think about flexible work programs, for example, you can have an argument about who should that work for or could work for and who couldn't it. But in a results-only work environment, it changes the conversation. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about flexibility. We're talking about is every single person clear on what they need to deliver? And are you as a manager managing the work not the people. Sure. I guess my thought too on that, and I've seen it, obviously a few things that um, you've either spoken about or written about, I guess when it comes to like hours, do hours matter in terms of, you know, the whole, you know, 40 hour work week or 50 hour work week? Does that matter when it comes to row? You know, time doesn't matter at all. The only time time matters is if you're missing a deliverable date. Okay. You know, counting hours is an old measure of work, sort of that time plus physical presence equals results. Mm-hmm. It's not that it doesn't take time to do work or we don't need to hit deliverables at a certain time, but tracking time is is an old measure. Well, I guess, I mean, are you able to give us then some examples in terms of how this actually helps employees and their work and, and, you know, some sort of maybe tangible ideas of of how this applies so well? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, Companies, you know, all over the world are trying to figure out how can we create 
you know, work-life balance? How can we get more out of less? How can we, you know, help people become more intrinsically motivated? And first of all, you're never going to create work-life balance as long as you're managing people's time. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're managing my time 40 hours a week, how am I ever going to create my own balance? So it just doesn't work. And what we've seen with organizations is that when you give people autonomy, equal measures of autonomy and accountability, they actually use their common sense to do what they need to do all the time, Mm 24-7, to manage everything in their lives more effectively and efficiently. What does that mean for business? I'm more productive. I'm more focused. I'm more intrinsically motivated to do the right things. And so for business, I mean, you're getting what you want. And for people, you're managing your own life. So it's a win-win. Now, I like that you brought up the idea, the side of business, because really this would be geared towards, you know, the employers, the managers. And my biggest question that comes out of it is, I mean, do you have advice or tips for these employers to let go, to really, you know, open up that that conversation? Because I would feel, especially if you're in some sort of traditional, you know, office type setting, it's really hard to break away from that structure. So what's your advice as far as starting that process even? Well, you know, it is really hard to break away from that system and that structure because culture is very strong. But the first thing that managers could do and should think about doing is having objective performance conversations Mm -hmm. with people. Bring anything subjective into it like, you know, leaving early, coming in late, working from home one day. All of that stuff is irrelevant. What's relevant is actually talking about the work. Right. So people... You know, if you're, if you're talking about the work delivery and when that needs to happen and what that looks like, you become more of a coach and a mentor to your employees versus a command and control sort of hall monitor. And, and then really, I mean, when you talked about the benefits to the employers, I mean, as you mentioned, it comes down to, I mean, simple production. Is there a way that it is saving money for them, saving other costs? I mean, what's sort of your take when it comes to that side of things? Well, there's so many things that really save. So first of all, people are wasting a lot of time. And when you say time is money, right? So Mm -hmm. I'm wasting time in unproductive meetings all day, (laughs) then you're paying me to not actually be focused on what's important. Mm -hmm. We also find that organizations who are, you know, looking at reducing space can easily do this in a results-only work environment because people aren't using the office necessarily as a default location. Right. We found that uh, paper usage has gone down 50% in organizations that are row. We found that overtime costs go down 50%. Hiring costs, training costs, because people actually stick to this environment and they don't want to leave. So now I don't have turnover, the same kind of turnover I had before. And not to mention, it really shines a light on people who are not producing. (laughs) So now I can move them out of the organization and that saves me money as well. I think that's a good point. You mentioned if managers see you at work, they assume you're working, and so if maybe you're not getting something done, and they just maybe they excuse it away as you're just you're that busy. But in this case, as you mentioned, it really does uh, sort of force everyone to stand out, either positively or negatively. Oh, that's absolutely true. And you know, Tim, it's so funny that in this day and age, we think that if you get up and you get in your work clothes and you go to the office at 8 o'clock in the morning, and you get in a cube, that means you're actually working? Sure. Well, it doesn't. And we all know that everybody's playing the time game. Who can get in earlier? Who can stay late? Who can look busy? 
You know, it's just it's just a big game, and we have to move out of that. It's not 1952 anymore. It's 2013, and we have the ability to efficiently and effectively move work along like never before using technology. Sure. Now, I wanted to ask you if you could, you know, give the listeners a, at least one example, you know, maybe sort of break it down in terms of an organization that you approached or uh, maybe they came to you in terms of utilizing Roe. Yeah, again, it could be a company, a position, a project, uh, but just where clearly it was far more beneficial to all parties that you know the, the Roe philosophy worked as opposed to the traditional model. And I know, of course, you're arguing that you can use this in you know any way you want. But I mean, do you have any specific tangible type uh, situations that you could you know, just give the listeners so they have uh, sort of something to grab onto? Absolutely, I will give them something to grab onto. <laughs> So we were working with an organization, and it was in a government agency. So the six people on this team actually had to be in the office, so to speak, because people in the community would come in, come there to get services. Okay. And when we started, they were 1,500 applications behind. Wow. So that means 1,500 families not getting served. So what we did is we took them through training on how to be a results-only work environment. Now... They told us, Tim, that they could never catch up. The six people, they needed at least 12. Hmm. So we said, let's just, you know, take you through training and move you into this new environment. What happened was astounding. In three weeks after going live in this new environment, they went from 1,500 applications to 132. Holy cow. Now, how did that happen? You tell me. You're the expert. <laughs> it happened because the manager okay. stopped managing the people. And so the people made decisions about who did what better in order to get to the outcome. And the people started to team better together because they knew achieving the outcome was what they were getting paid to do. And they started to work more effectively together. And nobody was bickering about who gets to work from home and who gets to leave early. Mm -hmm. They figured all that out. Hmm. The manager did not need to manage that anymore. Oh, that's a great example. And, and, you know, obviously when you can give some of the numbers to that too, it it does sort of, uh, you know, elaborate on the points that you've been making. Now, I guess overall, what sort of reception has this received? I mean, I don't know how much feedback you get from, uh, you know, whether it be different speaking engagements you have or, or just the overall philosophy. Uh, I mean, has it been sort of a slow transition for, you know, employers? Is there a fight against it? I guess what's sort of the overall take from what you've experienced? Well, Tim, it's very polarizing. Sure. Either you're a leader that is, you know, both humble and courageous and you inherently know things need to change. Those are the type of leaders that instantly come on board. They know the system is broken and it's old-fashioned, and they understand what this is. It's not a flexible work program or a work-from-home program. So they get that. Now, if you're a, a manager or a leader that believes things like this, well, in order to, be, to effectively collaborate, we need people face-to-face in the office then you're not going to grasp this or come on board mm-hmm. because you're using that old-fashioned uh, method of monitoring the hallways and having to see people to, to believe they're working, and this doesn't feel good to you. So it is pretty polarizing. And, I, I, you know, you mentioned the point of collaboration. That is one thing that I've heard and read from others, you know, complaining about this idea. How do you go against that argument? How do you make it clear that collaboration still works, especially nowadays where we have the technology? Well, it's so funny because I'm every single day I'm collaborating with people all across the globe. Uh-huh. And to believe that you have to be face-to-face is so backwards. <laughs> because today, you know, Tim, we can... 
Skype, we can instant message, we can text. The next generation is more is the most highly collaborative uh, generation hmm. because they have tools at their fingertips that they're using all the time to move information around. So when people say you can't collaborate if people aren't in the office, I just I can't even hear it. I just laugh because it's it's so not true. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't even make sense. Sure. Now, what about some other maybe items that people have brought up concerns about or drawbacks with Rowan? And really, I bring these up also as a way for you to sort of refute those points or make it clear that, well, this is how you can take care of that, or this is why this isn't really a problem. I mean, what sort of things have come up in that regard? Well, here's, here's one clear thing that we hear all the time, Tim, and that is managers say to us, how am I going to know if people are working or what people are doing if I can't see them? Mm-hmm. And what we say back to that is, how do you know now? <laughs> so that is the point right there that managers go, oh, yeah, I guess what's missing is clear and measurable results. That's what's missing. Hmm. And so that's the new foundation of work. Results is the foundation, not time and physical presence. So that helps managers flip their mindset to what they really need to be focusing on versus having that sort of complacency around, well, if people are in the office, they must be working, right? Not so. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, with this philosophy, I mean, there still has to be some sort of room for, I guess, maybe it doesn't have to be, but I'm asking more so, room to have people meet together or be face-to-face in certain situations or or need to work at a certain time of the day. I mean, is that stuff all, I mean, obviously we're speaking generalities, it's going to be different for each environment, but I mean, is there flexibility in the philosophy here where you can still utilize those things or is that still something that in your mind isn't necessary? You know, each role, depending on what business you're in, um, has different requirements. Mm -hmm. So if I'm in a retail store, and the store opens at a certain time, and I don't show up to open the store, in the old thinking, I would be tardy, Mm -hmm. and I would be written up. In a results-only work environment, that's a performance problem. Hmm. So it's not that there aren't certain positions or certain jobs that have to actually be in a certain place at a certain time. But in a row, you don't have to tell people that. You don't have to treat them like children. So if you get clear with people about what the performance outcome is, which is client satisfaction or customer satisfaction, that's what they need to be moving towards. And not showing up when the store opens doesn't make the customer happy. Performance problem. Now, I was going to ask this earlier, but we sort of, you know, we're, we're getting into some, some details already with, with the idea of Roe. Was there a particular reason that Roe came about, that, that you and others began thinking in these terms? I mean, was there something you could really point to as a turning point, or was it, I guess, how did it just all come about? Well, you know, Callie and I, my, my business partner, Callie Ressler, she and I were at Best Buy uh, a long time ago, 2004, and one of the things that we were tasked to do was to see how we could create flexible work schedules and policies around that for the corporate organization at Best Buy. Hmm. When we got together, we realized people didn't want flexible schedules. What they really wanted was complete control over their time. <laughs> So, you know, flexible schedules are managed by managers, Mm -hmm. whereas people wanted to take care of the demands of their lives, both work and outside of work, in a way where they could do that using common sense. So they wanted complete control over their time. That's where the idea was born. 
And that's where we came up with each person is free to do whatever they want, whenever they want, as long as the work gets done. And as long as the work gets done are clear and measurable results that people are held accountable to. And, I mean, I'd assume the results were, were positive because then, I mean, this sort of, I don't want to say snowball, it, oftentimes that's a bad phrase, but, I mean, it sort of created everything for you here. I mean, positive results? What was sort of the, what was the takeaway there? Well, very positive results. In fact, the first teams that we took through this model and actually helped them create a results-only work environment saw, you know, up, upwards of 42% increase in productivity, um, decrease in voluntary turnover, increases in engagement, increases in customer satisfaction. So all those things that we measure to see how effective we are, we're moving in a positive direction. Well, as we look to sort of wrap up, you know, the ideas here, and as you mentioned, it clearly can be a polarizing uh, discussion, but what would be your final strongest message to those employers, those managers out there in terms of moving forward and utilizing Roe as really their method instead of this traditional model that, uh, again, in, in your mind and in some others' minds, really is, is sort of outdated? I would have to say the most important thing to think about every single day is, are we managing the work effectively and not the people? Hmm. So that is, that is clearly the difference is that we have to start looking at measurable results and getting clear on that. So that's managing the work. And once you start to do that and let people manage themselves, you'll start to see an increase in the things that you want to see an increase, which is attention, productivity, focusing on what matters. So that's, that's the first thing. Second thing, every conversation you have, make it objective, not subjective. Mm-hmm. Talk about the work, not if my daughter is at home with me during the day, for example. <laughs> Keep talking about the work. Well, Jody, I mean, truly thank you for giving us some, you know, some of the details and also some examples of what results-only work environments really may look and feel like. And I, I like how you kept pointing the idea that this is not about flexibility. It's, it's beyond that. It, it's greater than that, in, in, you know, really, in a way. Uh, we obviously hope these ideas will help employees, employers um, in the long run and as you know, sort of in this transitional period of, of the workforce. Once again, our expert guest has been Jody Thompson, co-founder of Culture RX and co-creator of Row, uh, as well as a co-author of the recently published Why Managing Sucks and How to Fix It. Jody, how can people find out more about uh, yourself and also um, this subject we've been talking about? What people can do is they can visit our website, which is com. All right, great. Well, thanks again for the perspective on Row today. Thanks, Tim. Of course, we want to hear from you, the listeners, as well. So drop us an email with any comments or suggestions at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Wishing you success in all your endeavors. I'm Tim Muma. We'll talk to you again later.